Hi folks, how you doing? I hope this finds you well. Um, thank you very much for tuning in or downloading or just hitting that button and listening to another episode of my weekly podcast, Soundtracking, with me, Edith Bowman. Now, obviously, at the minute, there is some much needed discussions going on in the States with regards to writers and actors um, who are seeking for the right support, both financially and contractually. And so we are thinking and trying to work out ways that we can get on board on the conversation within the podcast. So um, over the next few weeks, um, as well as our usual episodes of talking about film and music, which we may have to pause, we don't know, but we'll try and find ways of keeping the conversation going. But what we would like to do is to try and incorporate um, discussions on what's needed, what the writers and what the actors are looking for, so that as people who are not within those unions can try and get involved and help in whatever way we can. So if you have any way that you would like to get involved in that, please do drop us an email. Um, it's info at edithbowman.com. And as I said, we've got the next few weeks kind of in the cam, but we'd love to kind of find and think of ways that we can get on board and show our support. So yeah, do get in touch, info at edithbowman.com. Um, yesterday, we, uh, as a family, three generations of the family, went, uh, I went for a second visit to the cinema to see Mission Impossible. Uh, and it was bloody brilliant, even a second time round, I've got to say. Uh, and I just wanted to remind you that we have a brilliant episode that we put up uh, to the end of last week with Eddie Hamilton, the editor, and Cecile Turnisak, who's a music editor and producer for the film. Such a brilliant and beautiful insight into a couple of crafts that we don't really get the chance to talk about. Oh, that'd be my phone going off. Apologies. Um, but back to this week. I'm returning to soundtracking to complete our hat trick. It's only Greta Gerwig who last joined us on the podcast in 2019. It seems like yesterday. How time flies. Now, on that occasion, she joined me to discuss Little Women. And this time around, she's here to talk about her extraordinary take on Barbie, starring an amazing cast that is kind of headed up by Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. On surface level, it's a fantasy adventure about Barbie and Ken as they find themselves outside of Barbie land. But believe me, this is a very cerebral film. There is a lot being said and a lot being addressed underneath the pink in this film. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, the soundtrack and score are both incredible and Mark Ronson plays a key hand in both. And we'll begin with his I'm Just Ken, which Greta refers to in great detail in the interview. I just don't know who I am without you. You're Ken. But it's Barbie and Ken. There is no just Ken. Doesn't seem to matter what I do. I'm always number two. No one knows how hard I tried. Oh, oh, I, I have feelings that I can't explain. Driving me insane All my life been so polite Cause I'm just Ken Anywhere else I'd be Ken Is it my destiny to live and die A life of blonde fragility I'm just Ken Where I see love she sees a friend What will it take for her to see the man Check me out, yeah, I 
can I just say huge congratulations you. on this film? It's very okay. rare that you come out of a cinema feeling like you've seen something totally unique. <laughs> And that's made you laugh, that's made you want to high kick through the, you know, all of it, just sing along. It's just, but also it's so clever because it's got, it's got a real purpose. It's got a, not a serious narrative, but it does kind of make you think. Yes, sorry. I suddenly realised I was like, is that me? (laughs) It's normally my mum phone and so it's fine. But yeah, it just covers so, so many bases. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I can't believe it feels so strange to be the last time, you know, we talked for Little Women till now. It kind of, because of everything that's gone on, feels like a time splice. (laughs) Like it kind of felt like we just, I don't know. Yeah, I went know. in a time machine from that moment to this moment. Yeah, but yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, yeah thank totally. you. I'm so glad. Yeah, I, all the time I'm kind of go. Was that two years ago? Or was that five years ago? It's crazy. I know. I only know from the age of my children. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was four years wow. ago. It must have done because yeah. of yeah, Christmas anyway. 2019. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did you know when you got on board with this what story you wanted to tell? No, I knew I wanted to work with Margot. And she came to me about it, but I didn't, I didn't really know I wanted to direct it until after I had the script written that I did with Noah Baumbach. So I didn't have, but I had this sense of like, this is complicated and strange. And the fact that there's no obvious path through it is part of what made it kind of exciting. And then once we had the script written, I was like, I love this. This is, this is completely bananas. (laughs) I can't wait to do this. (laughs) And I guess with with that in mind, there's the idea of the music in this is such an integral part that a lot of that had to be there before you filmed, or was that the case? I mean, I have a long-standing love of the movie musical, so um, it goes back a a long way. And I also, I always knew because Barbie was so, it felt like it belonged to disco to me in some deep way. Yeah. And I, you know, was sort of thinking about it, like, you know, it's from 19, it was invented in 1959 and it goes until now. But this sort of sense of like it belonging to like every time and no time. And I was thinking Mm. about, I mean, there's a lot of musicals I thought about from like, Wizard of Oz to Singing in the Rain to, you know, all of those. But also <laughs> Grease, it was one yes. that I thought about a lot because Grease is Xanadu, 100%. Oh. Love Xanadu. Also, Xanadu has like older Gene Kelly in it. And <laughs> like amazing. Love that, yeah. Um, but yeah, but Grease had this quality of being like, you know, it's a musical about the 1950s, but it's a disco musical made in the 70s about the <laughs> 1950s. And they're in high school and everybody's 30. And there's something about it where you're like, this is exactly the sort of pitch yeah. that's correct yeah. for uh, this kind of movie. So I had sort of had that in the back of my mind. I had a playlist going of all the things I thought felt like Barbie to me. Yeah. And then Mark Ronson came on and he got understood it right away. He understood exactly what the thing was understood exactly how pop music would function in it. Yeah. And he, he wrote uh, with Dua uh, the, the song that's the big sort of dance number at the beginning. And then he, then we had talked about different things with Ken. And then he started, he and his song writing partner, Andrew Wyatt, started writing this Ken <laughs> ballad so that was good. so wild. <laughs> and I think they had the lyric, they said, I'm just Ken. Na 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 na. But the, and then like and I was like, that's it. That's that's right. That's right. And then it was it, it kind of progressed from there. And then 
once we started to have the movie in in editing, it was just like there's just so many opportunities for original songs that felt yeah. um it was like the soundtrack had to be an event in and of itself. Yeah, yeah character in it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned The Wizard of Oz because the way the film starts with this, there's a sound of wind. Yeah. And it really, my first thought was the wind was like The Wizard of Oz, you know, yeah. with that kind of whole, yeah. the, the, um, yeah. what do you call it, the, the twister tornado. thing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And kind of, it's like, and then that kind of landscape and the way they're dressed almost as well, the little girls, is kind of like, oh. Oh, yeah. It's almost, in a funny way, almost like reverse Wizard of Oz where we <laughs> yeah. start in Oz. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. we leave Oz and then we come back and it's messed up. Yeah, I um, thought it was great. Yeah. And then Helen Mirren comes in and she she's, you know, she's we feel <laughs> she's safe. A, we feel she's safe official. and we feel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's extremely <laughs> official. <laughs> Before we we talk a bit more about music and stuff, but but Ryan, I mean yeah. you said that this role was written for him. It was. Did he know that you were writing this role no. for him? No, no, I'd never met him. I didn't know You'd him. You'd never met him? I'd never met him. I, I, I really, I didn't know him at all. I just watched his movies, you know, like everybody else. And I've always just thought he was, I've always thought, I've always loved him in movies. I mean, quite dramatic roles too, you know, like I, I remember watching him in Half Nelson and just being like, yeah. oh my God, he's amazing. And, Blue you know, Valentine. Yeah, just, Blue oh, Valentine. Great. Like just yeah. these, these really like, you know, deeply felt roles. But I also always had this belief about him, which was not entirely based on any, I mean, I, he's so good on like when he's hosted Saturday Night Live, yeah. he's really good at it. Yeah. But I just always believed he's really, really funny as soon as it was... When as soon as Noah and I were like, it's Ryan, it just started to make sense. Yeah. And yeah, so but it, uh, no, I just didn't know him, and I had to like, so I'd ri- I'd been thinking about him for like a year in a very like active way, and then I had to like call him and tell him it was odd. Did he? Did he was he like? Okay. I mean, would kind you, did, of, I think did he, he see the whole like, picture as well? You know, it was kind of like there's singing, there's dancing, there's <laughs> roller boots, there's. You know. I think he was just sort of confused <laughs> about the whole thing. At first. He was sort of like, like I think he he thought it was I was speaking almost in hyperbole at the beginning. Like I, you know, I've been thinking about you for a year. He was like, okay. I don't think he realized like how much. That was true. Um, I also don't think even when he arrived in the UK to shoot, he knew what it entailed, but yeah. not totally. He <laughs> that there was lots of things that he kind of got on board with after. Oh, it's genius! Yeah. It's you. just all all of it, like <laughs> Thank the you. just even things like little mannerisms or little no, he's movements. Good. There, there's no dialogue, but also just the way he delivers so much of the dialogue as well, and the oh, yeah. personality. Yeah, and it's it's like the gift that keeps on giving as well because yeah. it's just constant. And you're like, I mean, Margot's amazing. I'm not, yeah. not you no. know, she's phenomenal in this and almost encompassing that kind of almost slightly mm. robotic thing yeah. of her performance is yeah. so subtle but brilliant. Yeah, no, and, they're both like it's they're both like extremely go for broke performances, <laughs> yeah. and I think that they had the safety in each other yeah that they were able to do something so wild yeah ryan i don't know he tapped into something totally i don't know as I much don't... as he's been trying to like remove himself from that whole disney club thing it's no, still in him i know it's in him it's still in him he said a very beautiful thing he said um about himself with a 
the role, he said something like, because he started off as like singing, dancing, you know, all that. And that he said he felt like for many years of his life, he really tried to distance himself from that and to be like, I'm mature man now and I don't do that anymore. And then like, he sort of said that it was like almost making peace with that kid to do this role. Like that, yeah, that he was able to be like, no, that kid's going to be the kid who does this role. I don't know. That felt very meaningful, even just for us, like making a movie about, you know, things children play with that yeah. you would need the kid in you to yeah. figure it out. Yeah, totally. I like nothing better than my kids encouraging me to play with Lego or I know, whatever it is. I know. Because we I built so, so many Legos. Oh my God, so much. <laughs> so yeah. many Legos. My four year old, four is like just a little too young for a Lego. He's. It's like a, it's, I don't know what it does to him. It, he like becomes a different person. He like stares at it. He's so intense and his little fingers can't quite do all of it yet, but he yeah. loves it so Heartbreak. much. He's always, he got a street sweeper Lego, which he can't, he loves so much. He wants to be a street sweeper. He loves them. He waits for them. We like watch the out the window. He knows the days the street oh sweepers God, come so like because he, that, that's like the day that there's alternate street parking in New York. He's like, the street sweepers are coming. They're coming behind the garbage trucks. And then we like wait and then he does it. And he's like so fixated. But I, I feel like that sort of serious play yeah. is so much of what went into the movie. Yeah. Yeah, from everybody. It's lovely. Why Mark? What was it about Mark and Andrew's work that you were like, these guys are right for this project? I think Mark has, um, when I think about like Mark's music, that he is able to create things that sound um, modern, but also timeless. Yeah. And he's able to tap into so many different um, genres and feels. And it's just, for me, it's like, I'm not a musician. I'm not sophisticated. I just know what I like. And for me, when I realized, um, I realized when I was in college, the thing I cared about in movies, most of all, was the director, which I didn't totally realize. Like when I was in high school, I'd go to movies like the way I think most people go to movies, which is I'd, I, I was following actors, which is not the wrong thing to do. But I was like, I like this actor. I like that actor. And then when I got to college, I there was a video store that had that was organized by director. That was when it hit me. I was like, "Oh, you like the Cohen Brothers? Like, that's what you <laughs> like." It, it, like I was like, "That's it, it." Suddenly clicked in, yeah, and that's kind of sent me on this path that I'm on now. But I think equally um, with music, like you know, I like a lot of different musicians. But I suddenly realized, like, oh, I like the songs Mark has produced. Like, yeah, the, it, it, I like these songs. They're all, and I didn't totally know that they all came from the same person because I think unless you really are in music you yeah, don't yeah. necessarily think no, about it as much stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah or I mean I guess you know you know Quincy Jones and you know but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Like a, it's less top of mind I think yeah you know um because he straddled both those worlds as well in terms of being mm-hmm. you know Mark Ronson the performer as well as being Mark Ronson the producer as well yes kind of like he can bring both those worlds to it, I think, as well. Exactly. And he also just, it was a, it was a suggestion. I was like, oh, I love all of his stuff. And then we got on the phone, and it was just instant. Yeah. Like, and it was actually me, him, and Noah talking a lot. And we're just talking about music and feelings and, 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 and even, like, scores. Um, because he wrote, they wrote yeah, the score, well, too. And they, we talked about a lot about, like, um, Dave Grusin scores from the 80s, which I always really yeah. loved. Like. There's like a quality of them that it's um, 
it's like the instrumentation is something you'd never hear today. Yeah. And there's like a sort of sweetness and a pureness about it's sort of like no one would ever do that now. We, I can't tell you how many times we listen to this sort of working girl march from Tootsie. Um, like it's such a great, yeah. it's so great. Or the music from the, from the end of um, Heaven Can Wait. It's just beautiful, simple, yeah. emotional, and almost too much. And I, I, that's what we were going for in this. of that because there are these kind of musical moments throughout yeah. the film having the same person work on the score is working on them is so clever because he creates something different but there's also a synergy between the two like even at the beginning when they're bashing the dolls yeah. it's Mahler yeah. isn't it that, yeah, that yeah, old yeah. piece of music and then yeah. and then it goes into kind of like we get into like synth vibe when we arrive in this world and then yeah. we get straight into Lizzo who almost lyrically works as a, nar- a narrator I know. in a way and I that's know. so that clever amazing. like hey yeah. I'm still singing I know I know she's um, <laughs> no she so they kind of went into this kind of you know synth disco world that then goes into the Lizzo song and they had written the Lizzo song before she came on as, like, score. Uh-huh. And then when she came on, she just... I remember they were in the studio for a long time, and Mark was texting me, and I was sending voice notes back because they were just trying to figure it out. And then at some point, Mark said she just started singing literally what was on screen, and it became so funny because it was this, like so ridiculous it's clever and that like it kind of it captured exactly what we liked about it so anyway they the uh, when mark sent me the song i was like this is i could <laughs> not have uh, this is so perfect yeah. she understood it so right away and um yeah i mean really it was so it was like having mark produce the soundtrack and mark and andrew you know, write the score and then write some of the songs. It was like, it allowed it to be one thing. Mm -hmm. Like it allowed it to be an album, not like a, here's the score, here's the pop songs. It it allowed it to blend. And then they could even reference the different pop songs in the score. Like it would just keep evolving. So they reference like the, like the Dua song is referenced in the um, kind of marching band version that comes up when you go to the Mattel offices is like, that's the do a song referenced. Maybe you can find me in 
started doing it as a marching band it was like exactly it, it, it was like it just clicked in it was like it's that sort of like goofy slightly goofy nobility like no, nobility of of corporate yeah america men around the board, yeah. board, board <laughs> yes, boardroom exactly. table kind of thing exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah 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 absolutely there were some other brilliant cues that i really kind of the the tear yeah the oh first yeah tier, yeah yeah and this kind of really I don't know if it's a muted yeah. piano or something, yes, that kind yeah. of little. And it's it's so powerful because, you know, we kind of believe, we believe Margot is Barbie. Yeah. And the idea that Barbie's crying, crying. is kind of yeah. so kind of like, it's like, oh, sucker punch in a weird way. I know. Well, and that actually is that piece in that section is actually, um, so uh, Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas wrote this incredible song so for the movie that's so beautiful. Oh, I mean, when they sent that... That we showed them like thirty minutes of footage, and then they said they got it from that. Yeah, and they said, "What do you want the movie? What do you? What kind of song do you want?" And I said, "Well, I want you to write whatever you want to write off of this." I was like, "But I think what we're looking for is Barbie's heart song," and she said, "Okay." And then a week later, I got a voice note from the two of them, which with this, I mean, I just started crying. It was such a beautiful song. And then they said so generously to to Mark and Andrew, they said, you can take that song and do, because as soon as we got that song and those piano chords, we were like, oh, this is perfect for this. We call them the shining section and then looking around (laughs) at the world. And and they said, you can do whatever you want with it. You can sort of transpose it and do whatever you want. So that particular song in different forms plays at that bus stop. Yeah. And then it plays again um, when... Margot, well, not to give too much away, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. when she's running through the Mattel offices, yeah. opens a magic door, and then she meets someone. Oh. And um, when she meets someone, it's played, they turned it into like a, almost like a Lawrence Welk 1950s thing that's playing through the radio, but it's the same, same song. Same. Yeah. And then um, it plays again when Margot and Gloria meet, and then and then it plays again at the end. And it was just something where they... They were just so generous with the song and they allowed it to expand and to sort of move through these different areas. And so that also, you know, it, that was another instance of the score and the music. They all informed each yeah. other. Yeah. It comes back in a bit, bit at the end where she says, come walk with me. Is that the other yeah, bit yeah. that comes in? Yeah. And then it comes in, then you hear her voice finally yeah. at the very end. Yeah, when you hear Billy's voice, I mean, that voice is just... I know, it's I know. Similar. She's such a good storyteller, isn't she? I mean, also just when we got the the first lyric, like, I used to float, now I just fall down. And I was like, ugh, like, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I know, I know. And, like, 
what was I made for? I'm just something you paid for. I just like, oh, the whole thing was like, I couldn't believe how good it was. That's the amazing thing about making movies is um, there are these incredible collaborative efforts. Yeah. And when I think about the, the music that's in the movie and I think about Lizzo and <laughs> Dua and Billy and Carol G and Sam Smith and uh, Charlie XCX, like every one of those people tapped into the same thing somehow, but in their own the different ways, you know, and, and it was... Um, you know, I, I grew up a child of the 90s, and, like, movie soundtracks meant a lot to me, like going to Tower Records and buying movie soundtracks. And I feel like somehow the movie soundtrack is maybe not as not maybe as, as, as exciting as it was in the 90s, but I think you're always maybe a little bit trying to make the movies that... You watched. Yeah, that you yeah. watched. It meant something to you. So I was like, I just wanted it to be, like, this terrific soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, my God, and Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Pink Panthers. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, like every time I list the number of people who are in this movie, I just can't believe it. Stop playing with them, Riot. And I'm bad like the Barbie. I'm a doll, but I still want to party. Pink felt like I'm ready to bend. I'm a 10, so I pull in a can. Like Jazzy, Stacey, Nikki. All of the Barbies is pretty. All of the Barbies is bad. It girls, and we ain't playing tag. Red, but he spanked me when I get bad. I'm in LA, both they'll drive. I'm in New York, Madison Ave. I'm a Barbie girl. Pink Barbie dream house. The way it can be killing shit. I'm yelling out like the scream house. Ye yelling out, we ain't selling out. We got money, but we ain't lending out. We got bars, but we ain't bailing out. In that pink Ferrari, we pillin' out. I told Tay, bring the Bob billing out. That pussy so cold, we just chilling out. Baby, yelling, yelling, yet yelling out. It's Barbie, bitch, if you still in doubt. Oh. And I felt like the one for me that kind of really was like, God, yeah. just in terms of like, I mean, I, you listen to that soundtrack nonstop, sort of thing, and yeah. the film wouldn't be the film without it, really. Yeah, but it's kind of like this marriage of the two is just yeah. something quite special. My my one was actually um, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. That soundtrack was a big one for Desiree. me. Desiree. Oh God, yeah, totally. <laughs> and also, like they like when because I was getting CDs at that point, and <laughs> you get like the jewel case, and they have the booklet with more pictures. <laughs> Which you'd like, like, like really, I mean, like, it really yeah. loved it. Twice the so love by vinyl was the kind of getting the sleeve out and just yeah. reading who's doing second back in vocals and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the vinyl's better, too, because, um, you know, it doesn't... The problem with the jewel cases is 
they were brittle and they'd crack and then you'd be like, Dad, do I take it apart and get a new jewel case? Yeah. Like if you were a little bit like I was, which was like, everything has to be pristine. Well, I throw my night. I can't throw my CDs out. Yeah. Neither can, neither can Noah. Can't do it. It's actually like, we've had like <laughs> legit fights about this because it's, it was, they were all in our so son's bedroom for a long time because he was like, no, I need all my CDs. And I was like, oh my God. Um, but he, you know, the truth is, and this is a, you know, it is real. It's like there are things he has on CD um, and on record that are not digitized. And I think that there's um, sometimes the, a little bit the danger with um, everything being, you know, on streaming. Yeah. Is it, it makes you believe that that's a totality and it's not. Yeah. Um, the same thing is I find this all the time with images whatever the algorithm is floats certain images to the top yeah and it's not a totality of images it's the ones you see so i i find like in researching and like when we were doing this movie and little women and all of them really going back to you know going to museums going to old art books looking at things that are not the first search term yeah. that yeah, arises yeah, yeah, yeah. because i actually think it gives people it makes people feel like well everything's on there yeah. It's not all on there. And you're going to be limited if you only stick to that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a couple of other scenes, if we don't, you don't mind. take a sip no, of coffee. Go yeah, go for it. The whole kind of like fight section and oh, yeah. the beach battle and the dance fight. It's like yeah. a trilogy of like joy. It's <laughs> yeah, that's how just, I feel about it. It's just, I know. It's like, don't stop. <laughs> I know. Coming. I know. And it's. There was a there was a, a a dance troupe here in the UK who used to be on like Top of the Pops. Uh -huh. I can't remember what they were called. Gina might be able to remind me. Hot gossip. Hot gossip. Yes. Hot gossip. They were called, and that's what the dance fight reminds me of. These because oh. I was like tiny when they were, and they would just if bands weren't able to perform on this music show, uh -huh. they would have hot gossip like interpret the songs. That sounds amazing. And I was like. Hot Ryan gossip. is I, kind of embodying hot gossip. I've never heard of hot gossip, but that some of sounds <laughs> exactly up my alley. Um, but it's the journey of this thing that starts off, yeah. you know, the kind of song always number two. Yeah, all yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. then into the whole kind of Queen Opera beach fight. To mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about, I guess, creating that. How long have you got, Greta? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit about that whole, yeah, that whole section of the film because it's... Yeah. It's brilliant. Well, it was definitely something where, like I would say, it's sort of like Mark had these little, Mark and Andrew had these little lines and chords, and then we started growing and growing and growing it. And then it got to the point where I just, I knew I, knew I wanted it to become sort of like an epic, almost like, like, almost like meatloaf, like that just, you know. I remember staying alive, um, the trouble. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I mean, actually, yeah, I, we, I literally just texted a video of that to Ryan yesterday. <laughs> like, you know, when they're doing like, they're like this thing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And the headband. Yeah. All of that. I mean, like we talked about all of that and I just, you know, I love that kind of like, uh, super dramatic glam rock thing. Like it's so fun for me. Yeah. And then I think at some point we had this song, uh, pretty well written and then, the dream ballet was just my uh, folly. I don't. It was. It was what I wanted to do. I was just sure of it. And um, so I said to to um, uh, Mark and Andrew, I was like, I need this music to be like at, go through all these sections. I need it yeah. to be epic. And um, so then they just sort of um, continued to create all these different crazy bridges and different things. And um, 
then they wrote the section for this this dream ballet and it was so wild and great and just and also the song sort of starting as you know I'm just Ken is a lament to I'm just Ken as triumphant mm. was the um was kind of that that journey of that moment and it's one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to put on film. Yes. I felt it, there was something about it where I was like, this is actually deeply who I am. <laughs> I guess I, I think this is like, I felt extremely, I, I, I mean, I, I remember the day Ryan shot, like um, this, we did this sort of 360 shot on the battlefield yeah. and he's like singing and like doing all this stuff. And, <laughs> and then they beach off. Um, I mean, I don't even know what I'm, but I do know what I'm saying, but um, um I remember when he did that that day and I was like hid behind a bunch of objects so that I could be watched anyway. I remember when he did that, I just, I felt, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, you know, when you make movies to a degree, you're always exposed. Yeah. Um, but you're never really exposed where, you know, people assume there's like, some uh, some autobiographical element or something, and they think, oh, well, that must be part of it. And in a funny way, that's like almost never where it is. It's never in the more obvious places. Yeah. It's always like, and I felt when I watched Ryan do that, singing and on the beach and all that stuff, I never felt more exposed, actually, as a person <laughs> than that, which doesn't, you know, nobody would be like, oh, yeah, Ryan singing in this crazy Ken battle is where Greta feels the most like, uh-oh, I guess that's who I am. But it is. That is truly. And that whole dream ballet, I was like, that is the most me of anything that I've ever done. And I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But I'm like, I guess it's just out there. (laughs) That's what I want to make. (laughs) I think think you speak for a lot of us. Even that kind of dance move that he does, it's like. No, I know. Every time. (laughs) This thing. I'm like, every time I say it, I'm like. Yeah, there I am. I mean, in some <laughs> weird way. <laughs> oh, great. It's such a treat to get to oh, chat to you, you about so it. thank you. So nice to really talk is. to you. Yeah. I can't believe it's been four years, but yeah. it happens. It's making not so long next time. I know. Yeah, thank you so much <laughs> thank for your time. You. Thanks so much. Johnny, my baby, tell me all the details for tomorrow. Johnny, my baby's hands, they grip my fingers when they're cold. Could be the one to make me never freeze again Because no one is as romantic as him I want you to know Everyone told me life was hard But it's a piece of cake Even if Johnny hasn't melted in a couple days You would check your phone so you can't tell me you're okay Because Johnny, my baby, didn't always have to end this way Cause one day From the soundtrack to Barbie, that's Angel by Pink Panthers, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtrack and with the wonderful Greta Gerwig. My huge thanks to Greta for taking the time to talk to us. I must add that the interview was done prior to the SAG strike being announced. Uh, so I just wanted to add that in because I know there are incredible restrictions 
and being put on people, uh, quite rightly so, to show their support with regards to the strikes. Barbie is on general release on the 21st of July and I absolutely loved it. So get booking your tickets right now at view.com. If you want to hear my previous conversations with Greta, head to edithbowman.com where you can also find all my conversations about film and music with the great and the good. Follow us on socials. We are at Soundtracking UK and I'll be putting up the video of this chat with Greta as and when I can on our YouTube channel where you can find loads of extra content. Next up, we dive into two weeks worth of chat about Oppenheimer. Uh, first up, we have Mr. Christopher Nolan, director, writer, visionary, um, maverick, maestro, genius. I mean, he's all of those things. And Oppenheimer is out in cinemas 21st of July, so maybe you can get along to see it before you hear my chat next week with Christopher Nolan. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Thank you.